welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change. The courage to change the things that can. The wisdom to know the difference. Die well, Okay, welcome everybody. My name is Chaim. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Good morning, Yaakov. Good morning, everybody. Okay, we're holding by step eight, which says, made a list of all person we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I don't know anybody that um, came into our fellowship and was excited about step eight or step nine. You know, as a newcomer, that's the step that basically um, tells us run for the hills. And... Um, for myself, my sponsor told me we're, we're extremely lucky because the average guy that comes into our fellowship over here comes in fairly young. We're not coming in when we're, you know, 60, 70, 80 years old with a lot more wreckage than, than, than people who are younger. You know, we're just not around that long. But the main thing is, is that... Um, made amends to all the people who we have harmed and became willing, became willing to make amends to them. You know, when I check in every day, I check in, I am Chaim and I am a sexaholic. And the definition for myself and the reason it's so important for me to, you know, call myself a sexaholic is because... Let's, let's get this clear. On one hand, I walk around my entire life that every man in the world just lusts. And every, let men be men. This is, this is who we are. The beauty of Sexaholics Anonymous, this is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope. Which tells me it's not a man thing. It's an addiction thing of men and women. But besides the fact that it's an addiction of men and women... But the reality is, it's not only that we're like everybody else. We just, we just like sex. We like lust. We like the energy it provides. It gets us out of our head. No, the definition is, I am a sexaholic, which if you read what is a sexaholic and what is sexual sobriety, he says over there straight out, we've lost the total absolute ability to know the difference between what is right and wrong. We lost the ability to know the difference of right and wrong. So if I lived my life as a sexaholic that doesn't know the difference between right and wrong, it definitely means that the people that I came in contact with, I've definitely hurt. And I've hurt them badly sometimes. And sometimes I hurt people in a very, very passive-aggressive way, which I don't believe that means I hurt them, which sometimes means I hurt them even worse because the person that I'm harming walks away with the guilt of, and shame of why should they even feel harmed. Nobody even harmed me. You know, I, I, I just make them feel stupid. That I don't even give them permission to feel the harms that they, they feel. And um, I needed to do this, is what I want to explain to everybody. I, as a sexaholic, needed to protect Chaim. Chaim was so scared. And Chaim was doing such things that he was so not happy about that the only way I knew to protect me was to make you into garbage because I felt like garbage. So as a sexaholic walking around and knowing, oh my God, I just voyeured on that person in the store. And then I turn around and I see a regular, good, half-decent human being who brings up for me shame that he doesn't voyeur the only thing I could do in my brain is assassinate him. 
He's a piece of garbage. Look at the way he dresses. He's either to to yeshivish in our circles, or he's he, he dresses like a like a bum, or he or he's he was probably is a loser anyway. He doesn't make a dollar. He's a multimillionaire. Whichever way we go, we need to assassinate him. For the simple being, I just took an action or lesson. I feel like garbage, <clears throat> and I need to do that to, to simply stay alive. Otherwise. A day as a sexaholic who wakes up in the morning and maybe masturbates or, or is pissed off at his wife for not having sex and then leaving the house and getting the first energy lust and in his car texting or on an app and, and, and throughout the day voyeuring and lusting and on the computer. By the time he gets home at night, is he going to be at peace with his wife and children? Like, how is it possible? There's such shame. There's such self-hate. So, of course, Chaim coming into such a house is going to point out to his wife that she doesn't look to the standards of the way he pro- projects she, sh- she should look. And um, it reminds me always what, you know, Henoch used to tell me. You know, if you check out naked women all day, then dressed women are not going to look like them. They're dressed, they're naked. Also, if you check a naked hottest and you put into the Google search the hottest ten women in the world and then you come into the house and you look at your wife... Your wife's not going to match up. It's a, it's a new phenomenon that took me uh, took took another sexaholic to tell me. So I needed to walk into my house and belittle my wife. I needed to do that for, for my survival. I needed to shame her for my survival. The reason this is extremely extremely important for where we're holding in the step work is because we get to a place by step eight and nine and some of us are somewhat, let's call it, free from lust. And we're not acting out anymore. But yet we're still shaming our wives. We're still shaming our kids. We're still causing harm and havoc in the workplace or in, in, in prayers or in program. We're still feeling isolated from people and not comfortable. And the reason for that is, is maybe the solution for my problem, my problem called life, the solution called lust, the solution left. I'm not lusting, but I'm left with a problem. The problem is I cannot live in this world. This world is very uncomfortable for Chaim. So I automatically need to go to a place, and we hear this very much in this fellowship, is like after the meetings, oh, everybody's masturbating. Who are you fooling? Everybody's acting out. You think the, you think the guys, and you, and you think your, your rabbi's not doing it? You think you, um, come on, everybody's in the news all day. Like, 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 and the reason it gives us energy, like I ask myself, why does that give me energy? Is because I'm Chaim, I'm a sexaholic. What am I doing with my life? Even though I'm sober. I feel like I'm such a loser. I feel so empty. You know, this guy is finishing tracks and this guy is creating organizations and this guy is making money and this guy, and what am I, Chaim, sexaholic? And I feel like a loser. I feel empty. It doesn't give me anything. Step eight is extremely, extremely, extremely important. It's the step that the newcomer fears the most, but the old timer realizes it's a beer hug from God. It's a hug where God finally looks at us and says, you know, you could drop the guilt from your shoulders and you could stand free. You could write down all the people that you don't like and that you have harmed and that you have assassinated and that you caused problems to and you, you, you belittled and you shamed. It's an opportunity for me to sit in the meeting and not look at the newcomer and say, oh, you're not going to make it. Or the newcomer looking at the old timer and saying, oh, you're an old beacon, you don't know what they, like, you're not from us today. Or a regular guy sitting in the meeting and just saying, I don't belong or I'm not a part of because you don't understand what I'm going through. Or a single guy. It's finally the opportunity to say, you know something? I did no harms to anybody anymore because the people who I've harmed, I've made peace with. And I stopped the harming and I stopped the shaming and I stopped the belittling and I could just be comfortable. Nobody's better than me, nobody's worse than me. Nobody's greater than me, nobody is, is, is superior than me. We're just a bunch of people in the world. I don't have to prove myself, I don't have to show off anymore. Just another guy, it's so freeing, it's so relaxing. It's the step that finally doesn't make us on edge when we're sitting in work and we're pissed like hell because I need to be pissed at my boss because I'm uncomfortable with me that leads me to act out. I don't have to be like that. Because, you know, like my sponsor told me, no more harms. You know, one of the biggest, um, for me, one of the, I think for all addicts, one of the biggest problems is our brains. 
is our brains. If we were able to just take our brain and put it on the side, it would all be great. Our brain poisons us with so much insanity. Well, think about it. I spent thousands of hours looking at butt-naked people. Thousands of hours in sex. Thousands of hours in fantasy wishing to get something that I never got. Think about that. Imagine your little child told you, Tough for thousands. Of, I, I, I spend every day in, in school, I sit there and wish and wish and wish and wish I could have a certain snack and I never get it. So either you tell them I'm going to buy it for you, or you tell them just stop, that snack doesn't exist. Imagine he told you for the past seven years, from year one in school to, year, to the seventh grade, he's been fantasizing about this, not, this snack. You would take him right to a shrink. Right? I do that my entire life. I do that it, 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 since, since I knew that what a girl was or wasn't or wondering what it was. I sit in fantasy, wishing and wanting and wanting and wishing. And then the fantasy, once the lust like dwindles away, the fantasy is a fantasy of knocking other people. It's a fantasy of I'm better. It's a fantasy of shame, of guilt. It's a fantasy of where do I belong? It's a fantasy of always comparing my outsides to the insides. It's a fantasy of, 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 of am I part of this? Should I leave program? Should I stay in program? How many hours did I spend in my 13 years in program? Do I really belong? Maybe I could just, why is other people leaving? You know those people that left? So am I going to stay? Constant fantasy, but not being in reality. And again, I need to do that all the time. There's a step that Roy K. calls step eight and a half, which is the most um, rewarding. What I'm saying, the old timers feel, or the people that are working the steps feel like step eight is the most rewarding step. The step is eight and a half. How do I forgive Chaim? How do I for once and for all look in the mirror and love what I see? I can't stay sober in this fellowship if I don't love what I see in the mirror. If I'm constantly uncomfortable of what I see in the mirror and then I definitely look for my wife for the, for the compliment to make me who doesn't hold of me feel good about me and she knows exactly the keynote of how not to make me feel good, especially when I just lost it or acted out or was resentful because usually that's when I go to her for the compliment. I don't go to her for the compliment when I'm at peace with Chaim. I'm feeling at peace. What do I need a compliment? I go to her compliment because I'm feeling so inadequate. So I'm like, I need a drink of water. I need a drink of water. And she's like, whoa, I gave you eight drinks in the last hour. You know? How could Chaim just be comfortable with Chaim? How do I make a list of all people we have harmed, the most harming person that I've caused the most harm to is Chaim. I've harmed Chaim since I'm around. You know, one of the questions that we ask is, have, ha, have we been in, in, in prison? You know, I think it's the last of the 20 questions. Have we ever been arrested? Have we ever been arrested? Have we ever been in prison? Um, Roy K. talks about that this disease turned us into a slave. This disease imprisoned us. To who? To me. If you knew the amount of shame that I've put myself through since I'm around, you would never let me get away with it. If you heard the same shame messages that I've told myself throughout my years on this world, you would never allow me to get away with that. You know when you call somebody in this program and you tell the guy you're having a bad day and I feel like garbage and I'm worthless and either the guy goes, okay, Let's start doing, um, um, what is it called again? Um, 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 affirmations. Let's start complimenting you for what you're doing. Or no, you're not that. Don't say that about yourself. Don't say that about yourself. Right? And meanwhile, that guy himself is telling himself all those negative messages. And in meanwhile, we each tell ourselves all those negative messages of I'm never going to get sober. This program never works. I don't know why other people... All the negative messages of I'm not good enough. So what that I'm sober? So what that I'm this? So what that I'm that? You don't know my problems. You don't understand my difficulties. I'm never good enough. It's, it's impossible. I'm never going to learn again. I'm never going to get back to synagogue. Does God really love me? <laughs> Processing of negativity, of negativity, of negativity, of negativity. You know, there's a, 
all the psychologists say that for every negative um, thing that you tell a child, make sure you tell them 10 positive. There's, you know, the 80-20 the rule or the 90-10 rule with children, especially 90-10, with wives it should be 100 for 100, you know. For ourselves, it's basically like 0 for 100. There's only one time we compliment ourselves. When we're feeling that we actually did something right, and then we take that compliment, and we run so far that it scares everybody, including ourselves, away from ourselves. We become so great that literally, like the literature says, you know, we fantasize being the next president. We do one thing right, whatever that one thing could be at that one time, and we think we're literally the Messiah. We made it. We're, we're it. And again, the reason we need to do that is because the hell we put our bodies through, body, mind, and soul, of naturally telling ourselves such negativity. <laughs> Step eight is the opportunity to change that for once and for all. I truly believe that the reason why step seven is we humble ourselves is because we are such great people by the time we get to step seven that we need a little right-sizing of who we really became. Think about it. If you're really working this program and you really admitted to yourself, to God, and to another human being that you're a sexaholic, in step two, we really came to believe that there's a power greater than ourself, which means we got ourselves out of the way. We put ourselves in this chair and we gave over the driver, the driving um, steering wheel to God. If we really do that, if I explain to you that I have a friend that lives a life based on this, he really believes he's powerless over everything in this world. He really believes there is a power out there. He gives his life completely over to this power. By the way, this power is God in step three. He literally gives his will and his life over to the care of God. Whatever he does, he processes it through God. Not only that, this guy is so special that he made a list, not, not um, one time a year. He lives by this list of getting rid of all of the people. I'm sorry, of, of, he wrote down all the, all the um, um, resentments that he has, all the fears that he has, all the harms, all the sex. He worked through all of those stuff. He really worked through it, and he doesn't, he, he works on it when it comes up again. This guy really processed it with a, another person who's gone through the same process. And then this guy, you want to believe this guy? I got to tell you about this guy. The guy didn't stop there. This guy's such a special guy. He lives on a mountain somewhere in, out in Asia. This guy's literally unreal. This guy wrote down a list of all his character defects. Of all the things that maybe even after his resentments and fears and everything, he wrote down a list of his character defects. And when his character defects come up, he knows because he's powerless over his life and everything. He knows to go to God and God takes his character defects away. Don't you want to meet this guy? This guy's cool. I would love to meet this guy. This guy is me and you. This guy is you and me. This is who we became. This is who we're becoming. Yes, I appreciate that. This guy is special. Step seven says, humble yourself, buddy. <laughs> Hold on. You ain't yet the Messiah. You ain't yet the, the revealer of the world. You can literally think you are. When the program promises a spiritual awakening, do you feel that a little energy right now going through your veins, maybe a little tinkling a little discomfort. That's the spiritual awakening that we're talking about. The program's supposed to provide. You know how the program provides that spiritual awakening? Not by coming 15 minutes late to a meeting and leaving 15 minutes early. Not by meeting a sponsor once every once in a blue moon. This is not shame what I'm saying now. I'm just explaining how the spiritual awakening works. It's a process from step one to step two to step three to step four. But it works by being committed. The reason why there's such a low success rate, you know, I spoke by, uh, by an event the other, the other weekend for, for SA and Essanons, and I told the, the group of people that were there, maybe 50, 75 people, I told them that, you know, in the Lakewood Fellowship, there's over 100 people sober, Yaakov, yeah? Over 100 people sober for a year. The fellow. They, they couldn't even breathe. 
There was a guy over there who was sober for like 30 years. He literally stood up. He started to talk in the middle of the shear. He, he's like, what? How? He was going crazy. He was going bonkers. And then I went on to tell everybody, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad that 75% of the place over here is not going to stay sober, not going to be part of this fellowship eventually. And he stood up and he said, no, nah, much higher. I thought he's going to kill me. He's like, no, nah, much higher. If you're not getting what I'm explaining at a program, then why stick around here? Then, then yeah, let's only show up once a week. But if you got the juice out of step one, out of step two, out of step three, out of step four, you tasted the water of step five and step six, then hell yeah, by step seven, you better humble yourself because you could actually think you are on a very, very high level because you really are. Because you really are. And then by the step eight, where I can learn to actually forgive myself and love myself and write down the list and humble myself in a, in, a, in a humble way, not in a shame way. In a humble way, I could actually look at this piece of paper and I could say, oh my God, these are the people that I've harmed. And I could actually make right with all these people. How freeing. I don't have to, in my mind, anymore assassinate the person to convince myself that that person is so wrong that he owes me an amend, so why should I owe him an amend? I remember when I came to my step eight and I started to just um, write down the list of people. First of all, it was a great feeling seeing that I don't have 150 people. In my own head, we make up such shit like every girl wants to have sex with me. We make up the same crap that I have 150 people that I owe amends to and oh my God, the whole world. and uh, Not so many people. I'm a pretty decent guy, it seems like. And then all of a sudden, you know, my sister reminds me how I, uh, you know, I did blankety blank her when she was younger. Okay, so I'm sorry. I made amends to her also. Like, big deal. Like, well, what's the great that we did? Okay, we owe that guy a few bucks. And if we actually, uh, if we actually did bad and we really hurt somebody in a very deep way, which some of us have, the feeling of that release that comes after really just amending that relationship by simply telling the person I'm sorry, by simply telling the person I was wrong, going back to the person, paying the person back that five, 10, 20, whatever amount of money you owe them, whether it's dollars or grands, <laughs> the feeling of freedom. Now, by the way, this guy that's out there on the mountain, after he did all the work that I told you he did, <coughs> he wrote down a list of all the people since he's on the world with that he might have owned. He might have done wrong to. You know, in our community, we're very into running around and finding that holy ghost out there on the, <laughs> on the mountain that, that lives in somewhere and he could bless you and he could zap you and you could what's the gold or we even got created we could go to dead people and we could somehow get zapped by them and everything disappears and we could all of a sudden have a great beautiful life and not have to do any of the work imagine I told you there's actually a person on the mountain that's doing what I'm telling you he does we know this is how he lives his life and there's no following on this person this person is a regular guy he's a loner he's a loner he lives, he's a loner you know, he goes to work every day as a family. By the way, this person's not on a mountain. He lives around us. This person wrote down a list of all the people that he has done wrong to. And this person is having the willingness by asking God to clean up house and ask them all for forgiveness. Wow, what a gift. What a gift to be able to look at myself in the mirror and be happy with what I see. And the times that I look in the mirror and I'm not happy with what I see, and sometimes it's not physically looking in the mirror, it's emotionally, it's, it's me telling myself messages, and I'm not giving myself well messages. I tell myself, what, ca what character defect is coming up? Who gives you a right to treat yourself like that, Chaim? If somebody spoke to your child the way you're speaking to yourself, you'd knock the guy in the head. Who gives you a right to talk like that to yourself? Yeah, if I shame myself enough and I'm a piece of garbage, pieces of garbage, sit in massage balls and strip clubs and, and in, in, in all these places and have sex with prostitution, I'm a piece of garbage. I act that way. I'm, I'm part of that world. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I got triggered, you know, and I had a temptation. I lost. I told the guy, I said, 
it's so funny to be able to see myself. I'm desiring that person. But I'm so not the person anymore that desires people that, other than my wife for sex. I'm not that person anymore. That's not who I am. That person doesn't circle around the block seven times to look at a person. That's not who I became. That's not who I am. I'm a good guy. This is a very important message to be able to say, yes, I'm a sexaholic, but I'm a great guy. I live daily with God. I live a spiritual life. I ask God for guidance constantly. I could lose a crap load of money and still be serene. That's crazy stuff. I can make a crap load of money and still be serene. That's also crazy. I cannot make money and just be in, over the course of 13 years, you know, you go like this in life and also be serene. Not, it doesn't mean that at certain times you're not like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my God. There's tools of the 12-step program that could keep us serene. My children are lucky to have this person that we're talking about the whole time as a father. Your children are lucky to have a father like this. Not you walk into your house and like the sexaholic is coming home, you know? Honey, I took an action of lust again. I live that stupid broken life. No. Come into the home of my children are lucky. Because of the garbage, because of the cancer that I was given, I'm get to live on a, such a higher plane. What a gift. I don't need approval anymore from, from the rabbis or from other people. I feel an inner approval. I'm healing myself. I'm a good guy. My wife gets to be with a, such a person. <clears throat> I don't come home with shame and guilt and, and oh my gosh. and I, I don't have to. My wife is lucky today to be married to me. You know how I know she told me many times throughout the years, many times. I just went on vacation with her um, <coughs> last week. Um, <laughs> we messed up. We went to the wrong, the, the, the guy who booked us the tickets um, booked it in the wrong airport. We ended up getting to the airport. We missed the flight. I figured out how to, how to um, you know, only a keen sexaholic, how to figure out how to get first class. That didn't work out. We finally took off. We were supposed to get to the place that we were going and get there and have a day. So we were going to leave early in the morning because of the flight delays and because of everything. We ended up getting there late and we, we didn't get there on time and blah, 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 blah. My wife kept on turning around to me like, Jaime, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm used to this already because usually I'm very not okay when things don't go my way. I was like, yeah, why? Do I seem not okay? She goes, no, you seem okay. That's what I'm asking. Are you, are you okay? You seem like, you seem like things are... <laughs> like, uh, you're just okay. I said, it's weird. I feel okay. I don't know about you. My parents, when they missed something or things didn't go their way, you didn't want to be around them. You just didn't want to. You knew, don't talk to Tati. Don't go next... Don't go next to mommy. You knew that. Even once my, my father would tell it to me about my mother, my mother would tell it to me about my... Things go cool. We got there, and the, and, the, and the next morning we wake up. We're there for the sun, right? We, we got there. It's bucketing. It's bucketing. The beauty was we were able to take pictures. See, I'm shaming myself. I'm scared to say where I went. Like, what the hell? I went to Cancun. What's the big deal? In my head, I create noises. That if I tell you I went to Cancun, it means this for you. And I need to fit into a certain, to make everybody feel comfortable about me. <coughs> to be able to be, to be able to be, just talk, what's the big deal? So I'm sitting out there, and I'm holding an umbrella with my wife, and we're walking out there. It's like, and it's pouring, we're taking pictures, and we were able to laugh. That was so not me years ago. So pissed. I would be sitting on my phone, we're changing, we're, we're changing, we're leaving, we're coming back, this is not what we're doing. You think we could get a discount? I know somebody that knows somebody who can refund all the thing. Be pissed, pissed. We become great people in this program. It's not anymore about I'm just a sexaholic, I'm just a sexaholic, I'm just a sexaholic. And that's my step eight. My step eight is to stand free. 
I can't stand free with you if I can't stand free with me. I expect you, listen carefully, I expected you my entire life to make me comfortable with me while I'm taking actions that make me uncomfortable in definition. In definition, if on my phone it's loaded up with pornography, you out there in the world could never make me comfortable. In definition, if I'm living this life, like I explained to you about this person on the mountain, if I'm living that type of life, in definition, I don't need you to make me comfortable. I'm comfortable innately. And it doesn't mean this happens all the time. Of course, we all get this place, and that's why we need a program. But the program helps us stay in this safe, comfortable, intimate, good place where we could actually love ourselves. We could actually come home in a, such an attitude. The number one phone calls, the old timers could testify. Shall tell me if I'm right. The number one phone calls, Yaakov, Yaakov, you could also say. The number one phone calls, is my wife going to ever love me? Is my wife going to ever be comfortable with me again? Is my wife going to ever, are we, is this marriage worth it? Do you think we're going to ever get past it? Are you going to da 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 I sat with a guy who's, who's at this meeting who told me his wife, whose wife wants a divorce and his wife is, is, is going to go for a divorce. And, um, and I don't know what to do. He was, he was actually shaking. He was like scared out of his mind. He called another guy in the program. The guy in the program said, based on what you're telling me of your disclosure and what your wife told you, you yeah, you, you're going to get divorced. Yeah. You, you should find a good best that's basically cheap, you know? But you, you, that's the place you're heading down. The guy was sitting next to me after a meeting and was like, I really like, like, what does this mean? Am I going to get divorced? And I said to him, you know something? That guy's absolutely right. The old you should be divorced. The old you doesn't deserve to be married. The new you, your wife's going to hell yeah want to marry. That's why she wants to divorce you. Because she wants a new you. She doesn't want you. She wants a new you. So she wants to divorce you in order to find a new you in order to get married, in order to have a normal life. So how about you not going through the whole process of divorce? Your wife doesn't have to go through the whole process of divorce. You just have to become a new you. You'll fall in love again, or the first time, and you'll actually have a beautiful marriage. The guy's absolutely right. So how do you do that? So I tell him, it's very simple. You just work the program, steps. You come to meetings, you work the steps. Yeah, but she's really anxious that it. You really go to meetings, you work the steps. I recommend, again, page 24 in the white book, page 99 in the 12 and 12, my same talk, you know. Read it every single day. I promise you, in no time you'll see miracles. <clears throat> so I'm not going to get divorced, I'm not going to... No. I'm not lying to you. The guy texted me f- within 48 hours. Miracles. I, I don't know. I, just, I told him, come home in that attitude of like, not that guy anymore. Yeah, that guy you'll divorce. I'm not that guy. You'll see an entire change in her. She'll divorce that guy. You shall stay married to. That's how this program works. I want to divorce me. <laughs> For me. I don't want to stay, stay with me. Like the saying goes in program. You know, the old, if you think it's hard to live with me, imagine being me. Right? <clears throat> imagine being me. But, yeah, I don't want to live with me. I don't want to live with me. It's very painful. It goes on in my head. We hear it by check-ins, people's brains in there. You don't want to live in my head. I don't have to live in my head anymore. I have to work the 12 steps of the program. And, by the way, this guy that I've been talking to you about, he does much more. He actually is making amends to all the people. He actually takes an inventory daily by seeing if he harmed other people. This guy actually meditates every once in a while. He thinks about what God's will is. He lives an attitude of every day asking himself, what is God's will and how to carry that out? And you know what this guy spends all the time with? Trying to give over that type of life to others. That type of person, every child wants to hang around with. That type of person, every single woman would like, I shouldn't say this this way, our spouses would like to hang around with. That type of person, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And that type of person, I, most importantly, I want to be with. And I feel comfortable as that type of person being with God as well. I don't feel that God is not happy with me. 
I feel like God is absolutely crazy over me today. And it's weird for me to say this. For years and years in program, I didn't feel it. I didn't. And every once in a while, when I don't feel it, I say, God, remove that thought. I'm not interested in not being comfortable with you. I love being comfortable with you. So next week, we'll continue um, on step nine. Um, this same concept of forgiving ourselves, of, of making amends to others, of bringing this type of life home to our wife and children. And we're blessed. We're really blessed to be in a, such a type of program. It really, this type of program really works. We're lucky. If, I can't say this enough. I'll finish off with this and then open the floors for questions. If we actually knew what this program really could give, we would actually be grateful, really, here, not only here, grateful to come every day. We would want to come. We would want to carry the message. We would want to have sponsees. We would want to give it over to the next person. The object of running after money or fame or, or what the world cares about or the next car, we would like, almost like kick it to the side like dust. We would look at it as pathetic for what this program has to offer. Even if you never make the big bucks, even if you never drive the fancy car, even if you don't have the perfect life. You have something that the whole world is looking for, and that is contentment, and you can give that over to the next person. <coughs> it's called working the program. And that's what the program gives me a lot of the time. Okay, thank you for letting me share. Appreciate it. Let's open the floor for questions. Go. Uh, um, <clears throat> I don't want to sound like I'm bringing Aaron. Oh, sorry. Aaron. 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 This is my 10th meeting this week. Beautiful. And, wow. Um, I, uh, yesterday, I sort of felt like maybe three meetings, two days in a row is a little much. <clears throat> at, what po- at what point is it like, you know, you went to enough meet, or, or maybe that, you know, it's not. Very good question. Very good question. So just to repeat the question, Aaron went to 10 meetings this week. At what point do you say that it's enough? Is, it, is there something called overworking this program? You know, if the guy on the mountain that we like to call. You know, if he sits in a meeting from morning to night, at one point do you tell him, hey, buddy, <laughs> like, hey, you know? It's called a balance. We learn something called a balance in program. I don't have to make that decision for myself. I have a sponsor. So easy. Hey, sponsor, how many meetings should I go to? Chaim, at this point of your recovery, you should go to three. Okay, that's what I do. In the early recovery, hey, sponsor, how many meetings should I go to? He says five. Okay, that's what I do. In the earlier days, hey, sponsor, how many meetings should I go to? I averaged every single week eight to ten meetings for a year and a half, year, uh, 14 months. That's what I did. And he told me in early recovery, why would you be busy doing anything else but going to meetings? If you have a problem with lusting, even if you're not ejaculating, you have a severe problem. Maybe even bigger than the guy who is ejaculating. The guy that's ejaculating, at least he gets release, and he gets some pleasure. You're just lusting. You're just torturing yourself. Poor you. You're actually constantly sniffing the bag of potato chips, looking at the bag of potato chips, picking up the bag of potato chips, and you never could bite into it. It sucks. So if you have a problem, and that's why Roy K. talks about the problem is lust, not the problem is acting out, big deal, guy sober, not sober. Like Harvey says, like if God gives a crap if a little um, squirt comes out of your penis, like whoopee goody K, he's running the entire world. You know, he cares about your squirt. Big deal. Like, it's a squirt out of a penis, let's be honest, right? But if you all day are busy with lusting and lusting and lusting and lusting and lusting and lusting, you're wrecking your life. You're giving yourself messages of insanity, of craziness, of poison. You're feeding the monster. That is very bad. That's very, that's very bad. And uh, then there's no amount of meetings you can go to. So there has to be a balance. In early recovery, the best thing is you simply ask your sponsor. And you use your brains, you know. If your sponsor is not somebody that's gone through the 12 steps himself, then you're going to the wrong guy on the mountain. You found the wrong guy. They told you to speak to Joe, and you're speaking to Jim. You know what I mean? Good luck. 
You know, your sponsor got to be somebody who's serious about program and taking program as 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 serious as he's meant to take it. That that's what I would tell you. Thank you. Be the sexologist. Yeah. 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 So you're talking about harms and let's say you're, let's say you're not holding by making them like deep harms. Um, you're not holding by is that like beautiful question? Great question. Great question. Like tra- deep trauma. Great question. Love it. Appreciate that question. So the question is, um, what happens with harms that you're not holding by doing? Whether it's just simply you're not holding by doing it, or maybe the harms is like people that really traumatized you or, or bullied you or beat you, you know, we speak about it, or, or harms that are uh, just way out of, uh, out of control. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to love myself. That's the whole purpose of, of, of Step 8. I'm supposed to love myself and heal myself. Uh, this is not a, a, a torture chamber. We did that when we were acting out. Don't make amends to those people. Um, first, make amends to the people that you're comfortable. Get into the habit of making amends. Live a life of, of saying, I'm sorry. Yesterday, my daughter was very upset at me. I heard her screaming at mommy. Tati keeps doing that and he says, I'm sorry. Now what am I supposed to do? You know? And my wife said to her, what would you like Tati to do? He said, I'm sorry. He's working on not doing that. What would you like him to do? I don't know. What are you supposed to do when you make a mistake and, and, and you have a hard time not stopping to make that mistake? And I came into the room. I said, Zipporah, that's a great question. If you could tell me, I would love to know. <laughs> and we were able to laugh and I was able to say, you know something? I appreciate you bringing it up. And I appreciate it and I'm going to work on it more. And it's wrong. What I wanted to do is squirm away, run down the steps. If I was 13 years from now, I was like, Blankety blank, she doesn't appreciate anything I do. Nothing I could do. Even my sorry, she doesn't appreciate it. And one thing would have led to the next. My brain would have worked to the point of like this whole family, my wife should discipline her, at least slap her for the chutzpah. Like, uh, mm-hmm. And the next thing I would do is that little squirt, a little porn. The different life is not to do this, be able to take a deep breath. Yes, I feel attacked. I felt shame. I felt like I'm not a good enough father. Able to walk over to her and say, Could I give you a kiss? Could I hug you? You know I love you. I say I'm sorry because I don't mean to tell you. She was upset that I was telling her that she does things wrong. And she was feeling that if I tell her that she does things wrong, she never does things right. So then what? And we were explaining to her, you know, there's a balance. And we're having that conversation, we're able to talk. So to your question. <clears throat> Take care of the easy ones first. Don't be busy with the hard ones. I know your story a little bit, the trauma and the pain. Don't deal with that right now. We like to like, uh, you know, how do I become a millionaire? I don't know, you got a dollar in your bank? No, how do I become a millionaire? Like, relax, take it, take it slow, take it slow, take it slow. That's, that would be, love yourself the way you would love me. If I asked you that question, you'd be like, I'm relaxed, you know what you went through, come on. Stop teaching yourself you to, to tell yourself that message. Love yourself, it's okay. Love yourself, take it slow. Now, if you're in program for a very, very long time, and you're going through the steps, and you went through all your 12 steps, and you still have a problem making amends, you have, to, you have to clarify really what is your part and what you're really making amends for, and really calling out their problem and what they did wrong to you, right? So it's not one big mix-up where it's, it's mind-block, where it's too much. You don't know what's your part, you don't know what that. If you did all your 12 steps and you sat down with your sponsor and you feel like there's a huge blockage and you can't go there, most likely, in my experience, there's trauma or other deficiencies that are holding you back from cleaning that relationship. And at that point, you get some work outside of a 12-step program done to be able to release you of that. Of that. I've done that work. And um, it helped. It's very, it's, it's very worthwhile doing that work. God is so powerful that I could do all the work in the world and God could still have it that somebody who I think I should have a good relationship with, I don't. And that's more humbling to me than even being a sexaholic today. That's my real story. There's a relationship that I don't have that I would like to have and I wish it was normal and it never was really.
and I've done all the work. And at one point, the old Harmus told me, just stop and humble yourself to God. He doesn't want you to have that relationship. That's why you don't have it. You can't force the relationship to weird, to you're going you're gonna to work the program so strong, you're going to convince God that he should do it for you. I needed to let go of that relationship. I don't know what's going to be. Does pain sometimes come up? Yeah. Do I want to sometimes just run into the person's house and beat the crap out of him for what he's done to me? Absolutely. Are there times that I've prayed for him? Yeah. Like I tell my wife all the time, no, no wonder why he's being successful today. Mm-hmm. If, if, he, if he would pray for me the way I would pray for him, maybe, maybe I would have what he has today. You know what I mean? Okay. That's, that's part of God's world. Be gentle on yourself. Sexaholic. Um, I have a question. Um, do you have any ideas you could share that worked for you in self-care and actions I could take to... I feel like I haven't done much of that um, in a long time. Uh, to, to heal me, to, to let me know that I am okay. And, I don't know. Great question. Great question funny you're mentioning that much <laughs> that's one thing I was going to talk about by, by next week next week's so like how do you so, so what actions could we take to love ourselves we, we did so many actions to hate ourselves and to belittle and shame ourselves um, what actions so the question basically is what actions could we take to love ourselves the greatest action for starters that I could take to love myself is take this program damn serious and give myself the headspace and when I'm taking this program serious and I'm showing up, up on time to meetings and I'm setting up the, the program and I'm not just grabbing my bagel and running. All right, get some cream cheese on that. Let's go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Just grab and run. But rather you come to give. We need to give ourselves the headspace to recognize I'm giving to Chaim right now. I could go out to eat and hang out with the guys and have the greatest steak and, and order and this and bull around and walk out as empty. If not empty, you're walking in. And sometimes if you're like me, you have that feeling. After hanging out with some guys, you walk out feeling empty. Part of it is because I didn't give myself the headspace of right now I'm taking care of Chaim. That's why I'm going out. You hear an A, I'm going out to my meeting. I give myself love, gentleness, affirmation, care by being here at a 12-step meeting. Working on myself is the greatest way of taking care of myself. But a lot of the taking care of yourself is not go on a walk, take a jog, listen to music, da, 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 da. you could do everything and walk out an empty basket. If you're not headspace, if you don't set yourself up, you could see sometimes people drinking a coffee, right? Right? Came and went. You see people going like this to their coffee. They're in the moment. You're in the moment. You feel the warmth. You feel the drink. You're taking care of yourself. It's an appreciation. If I'm busy, well, I'm getting my next hit and my next love, and I don't care, and I'm just here to make money and leave me alone. I got to get out of here. It's just one mess up. So the actual lust you never even enjoyed. Even the enjoyment of the actual lust you never enjoyed. That's why sexaholics can't even enjoy the lust anymore. They're not even there. You know what I mean? I used to go to strip clubs at one point to watch the basketball game. I was so not in the moment. I would sit at the strip club staring at watching basketball. You know what I mean? And then I would go to basketball games checking out the dancers. <laughs> Literally. You identify a little bit. What am I doing at the basketball game watching the dancers and at a strip club watching the basketball game? I'm not in the moment. I'm not there. I have nothing to do with there. The greatest way of taking care of ourselves is learning to stop being in the moment. That's what meditation does that's why it's beautiful before every you know I say let's take a minute to connect with ourselves with each other and with God feel the moment be in the moment I'll finish off with saying that uh, a lot of this could sound very high level fluting and you could get this idea that I I do this all the time I want to keep it very clear my sponsors know the people that are close to me so I don't do this all the time but this is the life that I try to live. This is the life I tap into. This is the life that gives me the serenity and, and, and the ability to be there for myself, for my wife, for my children. This is the life that you know everybody could get. One more quick question. It's not a question, it's a statement. Yeah. Um, motion. 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 Sexaholic. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Just about the, the part you said about like the wife wanting that new person as her husband. So I feel like I'm becoming that. And 
just want to share. Last night, a guy cut me off, and instead of cursing him out, I prayed for him out loud. Can't make this crap up. She was so shocked. She's like, in the past, we'd curse him out and try to cut him off, and so it really works. Yeah, it's cool. Thanks for letting me share. One day. That's beautiful. beautiful. Mike, can I see the phone call you gave me two weeks ago? So Mike, you made yeah, no problem. <laughs> you pray for me also, like the guy that I got on. I pray for you a lot. <laughs> good, good, good. I was wondering why I'm starting to. So the statement that that Mike made was he's another guy in program who's fairly new. You hear for how long? Less than two months. Less than two months, who is actually working the program, who said that um, what I'm sharing that his wife is actually seeing a change in him and he's becoming that new person and he sees that in his relationship. Two weeks ago, with Moshe's permission, he called me up and said, I hate my wife, this piece of blankety blank, and I have a feeling of when she comes home, I want to actually punch her in the face. What do I do? Two weeks later, he's sharing that he sees an entirely different change. That's what the program does. He never punched his wife, right? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> the reality is that's what this program gives. This program gives an entire different attitude change. And um, what's funny is years later, I look at my wife and I say to myself, this is the woman who I thought I didn't want to be with? Like, I'm, like, am I retarded? And the answer is yeah. And the beauty of this program is I stop working it. I take some actions a lot. I act out or just take action with us, I will be on the phone saying I married the wrong girl. As quick as it comes the spiritual, that's how quick the devil will come. That's how the program is. That's why we need to constantly come back and that's why we need a sponsor. We need to humble ourselves. Okay. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.